Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am Jay. Inter- insert any other initial you want after that. J E J D J P J Q Mosier. J P Mosier here. <laughs> and we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you why they're great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. What a treat we have. Happy one year, Rob. Happy one year anniversary. This is our one year anniversary of the podcast, guys. Man. We made it. We made it a year. Looks like we made it. And there's Barry Manilow. Yeah, that wasn't really Barry Manilow. It was Rob singing no, Barry Manilow. You can't, I, I can't, you, you really couldn't hear the facial reconstruction um, <laughs> that is proper for a We just gained 90 old women followers <laughs> because they think we are Barry Manilow. That's right. Anytime you sing Barry Manilow anywhere, you instantly gain 90 old women and followers. And you can smell the hairspray coming oh, yeah, for the big perms. Honestly, a word of caution, you've really got to be careful with it. No, do not light a cigarette or a lighter or anything because yeah. it is flammable yep. in the room. And they start banging on the door, but they really can't get in. They're very weak. But we're so. not talking about Barry Manilow <laughs> oh, today. No, no, no. Goodness gracious. Because you know why? Because it's our birthday. And we don't want to talk about Barry on our birthday. No, we Rob, don't. This is this song is for us, guys. This is our one-year song. So guess which one we pick for him. Tell them about it, oh, Rob. Oh, man. As a birthday present to ourselves. From us to us. Today's song is When the Night Comes by Joe Cocker. Let's take a listen. Let's bust open the pinata and celebrate this thing. <laughs> so when you think Joe Cocker, there's plenty to choose from. Sure. And this might not be your immediate choice. But this is our choice. But for us, this is the top of the heap. Uh, you know, you can have a little help with my friends. You can take You're So Beautiful. You can have Unchain My Heart. But you can we have... get When the Night Comes. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Joe Cocker, on John Robert Cocker. John Robert Joe Cocker. Um, you know, he's got one of the most interesting voices and stage persona. It's not a persona. It's not an act. It's a presence. But stage it's a presence. presence. Yes. Like, 
it's very. It was famously parodied sure. on Saturday Night Live by John Belushi, you know, like having a seizure, basically, whatever. Actually, when I was a kid, I thought that Joe Cocker was epileptic and that oh, John Belushi was making fun making of his fun. epilepsy. Oh, wow. um, you know, I, but what did I know? Those of y'all out there that don't know Joe Cocker, don't think you know Joe Cocker, you probably have heard him the most, I would think, from the Wonder Years theme song. Yeah. You think that's the one that... I think so, yeah. his. You know, he famously performed a version of the Beatles... Uh, with a little help from play, my friends. Play a little bit of it. A little let's, bit of his version. Let's hear a little bit of his version sure. so y'all know. You want to hit a little AB of both of them? Oh, like, yeah. Okay, so, good. so here is uh, the Beatles version of a little help from my friends uh, from the album uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. This song written and sung by Ringo Starr. Yeah. Uh, so here's a little bit of it, and then you can hear Joe Cocker's because they're, Completely let's different. say, yeah, not the same. Here's, here's, uh, here's the Beatles version of With a Little Help From My Friends. What would you think if I sang out a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out a key Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends mm, I get high with a little help from my friends Okay, so that's the Beatles version. Um... And uh, here's the Joe Cocker version that you probably know from the theme song of the Wonder Years. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Yeah. Oh, baby, yeah, man. I think Fred Savage and Danica McKellar can feel it right now. Come on. That's good stuff. Little Marilyn Manson on there. It's not really him. I know, but come on. Let me let me live my truth here. Uh, man, that version kills the Beatles yeah, version. Sorry, I sorry. don't care. We like you, Ringo. Rob likes you more than me. Yeah. But uh, but sorry, it's Dude. Uh, Cocker 1, Star 0. Ex- exactly. Starsky 0. And let's talk about how much better that opening line is in the Cocker version. Sure. What would you do if I sang out of tune? That internal rhyme, so much better than what would you think if I sang out of Absolutely. tune. Absolutely. The first time I heard Ringo sing it, I, I was used to the Joe Cocker version uh-huh. anyway. So the first time I heard, what would you think if I sang uh-huh. out of tune? I went, ah. Gag. Yeah, I've gotten used to it, but man, that was it, harsh. Ringo's is kind of it's kind of bouncy, it's kind of poppy. I, I've seen Ringo a couple of times, um, and he he does a really cool stage gimmick for that song, which he brings up. Like I saw him, and he brought up Joe Walsh to sing it with him, Brad Paisley, Richard Marks. So like he brings up famous some friends, some friends yeah. that are famous, and they sing the song with him. So let's be honest, Ringo needs a little help vocally. Dude, that's right, and so. drum wise. Sorry, Rob, but he, <laughs> he needs some some support. Yeah, the um, Cocker version. Kills. Absolutely. So that's, uh, you know, that's probably what I would think he was most notable for. My favorite, one of my favorite Joe Cocker moments is actually a tie-in back to the Beatles. I love his version of Come Together on Across the Universe, the movie. Mm. It's awesome. I know, I don't know if you've seen it, but... I've never seen it. Dude, really for somebody must. that loves the Beatles and likes Joe Cocker, he's got a really yeah. good... He plays all... There's like four or five different characters, and he plays every one of them and oh. sings all the different parts. Like this he, Eddie one Murphy's sing- it? Well, he it's different scenes, but he's each one the singer. So like he's a homeless man, uh-huh. and then he's a pimp, and he's different things. But he's the guy singing as each character, and he does different makeups and different. But you can see that's Joe Cocker. Okay, I'm gonna watch it within the month. It's good. I'm gonna watch it within the next month, and I'm just gonna and make it happen. Thoughts, I've got to. So. Uh, yeah, just incredible voice. It, uh, he's got a style that is, I don't know what you really, it's, it's rock, but 
especially in his later years, uh, it's 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 rock with a suit on. You know what I mean? Like Robert Palmer. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like soulful rock is mm-hmm. what he kind of classy into. rock. Yeah, classy. Yeah, classy rock. You know. Um, now, now early early career. I mean, it was full blown Woodstock yeah, yeah. and just you know going bananas. Um, but this era of Joe Cocker that we're talking about today mm-hmm. is rock and roll with a suit on. Uh, I think in the or a the black album. shirt with a black backdrop at a classy table. Exactly. AKA the the exactly. album cover. So let's let's get right into it and and talk a little bit about uh, today's song, amazing song, when the night comes. This was part of kind of a second phase of Joe Cocker's career. He he found kind of a second wave of popularity with the album preceding this, which would have been Unchained My Heart uh, and this album. Um, this is from the 1989 album One Night of Sin. Ooh, and it's got a uh, it's the album cover is him sitting at a table with a knife stabbed in a like a shiny black table and it says joe cocker in red says one night of in gray and then sin in red and if you're looking at the one that i'm looking at it also says mckay's 25 cents in the top right corner and it's like what who let that thing go for a quarter yeah shout out to mckay's bookstore for always being the best find for everything my goodness um so this this album in general, uh, forever, I would have told you, was in my top five albums all time. I'm not sure it still holds that place now, but it is definitely still in my top upper echelon of just albums that I love and can listen to the whole thing on repeat time after time after time. But this song is the absolute creme de la creme. <laughs> you know, this is as good as it gets. It's a, a great song, great production incredible performances in this song vocally from the band uh one of our favorite guitar solos of all time i think we both agree this is just as as tasteful a guitar solo as you could possibly lay into a song and that is teaser among teasers because y'all don't know what we have coming up next oh man coming up later in the episode we've got a great interview with the guitarist uh from this song his name is phil grande uh you may not be familiar with his work but you're gonna have a hoot listening to you should be you should be Absolutely. He's a rock star. He is He is a rock star, man. So cool. Um, so uh, from the 1989 album, One Night of Sin, comes the song When the Night Comes. Um, it was no, went to number 11 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it was number six on the Billboard Album Rock Tracks chart. And it was Joe Cocker's last U.S. Top 40 hit. I don't think I realized that. Uh, but this was sort of the, and of course, he kept performing until he passed a few years sure. ago. Um, but this was his last uh, top 40 hit inside the U.S. It was nominated for a 1990 Grammy for Best Male Rock Performance. D- absolutely deserving of it. Uh, the other nominees, did you look this up? Well, I did some history on 89, because I was like, man, for that to hit 11 and 89, there mm-hmm. had to be some just gangbusters in there. So, yeah. Every Rose Has a Thorn by Poison came out that year. Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. I'll yeah. Be There For You. Right Here Waiting For You, the Richard Mark song. So, I was looking at those and I'm like, what do those have that the Joe Cocker stuff didn't have? And I realized every artist that I just listed had a big old hairdo. <laughs> big old perm hairdo. And if Joe Cocker would have permed it up a little bit, maybe he could have jumped up to, to two knows? or three. But man, it was a big year for music. Um, I think if this comes out in even... You know, 90, 91, 92, it might reach a little higher. 
You think so? I do. I, I was looking through. I think as I, I just production wise and everything, I think it was kind of I don't want to say ahead of its time, but the use of the keyboard work, the solo, I think it's money. The so. production on this song is absolutely timeless. Like it's not you don't listen to it and go 1989. Sure. Right? In 1989 at this point you're thinking uh big gated reverb drums sure. and um and a, every, yeah, yeah, yeah. The keyboard um, is not going to be a piano. It's right, going to be a synth or yeah. a, a, mm-hmm. a, yeah, a the synth classic and a Van Halen. Yeah, synth and, and pad. And here we've got a grand piano and a B3 organ Absolutely. and just a rock band like a yes. th- this it's a classic Joe Cocker sounding band. It still sounds like it could have been at Woodstock. You know what I'm saying? Money. That's Nothing's good changed. Phrasing. It's classic. It's it's rock guitars Thick. and soulful keys and Joe Cocker's inimitable you know, vocal stylings sure. and performance. Um, and so it just sounds like a more modernized version of everything that he had done previously. That's a good way to phrase that. I like um, that. And so, yeah, so nominated for a 1990 Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Other nominees in 1990 were Lou Reed uh, for New York, Neil Young for Freedom, Tom Petty for Free Falling, and the winner, Don Henley, for the end of the innocence. Oh man, we've covered that so, one before. So uh, it's good company. So you can blame you can blame Don Henley for uh, for, for Joe Cocker's on. getting robbed uh, on this one. Uh, by the way, Joe Cocker was nominated again the next year in the same category for the song "You Can Leave Your Hat On." Oh wow, uh, that's another good solid. That's a yeah. great song. You can leave your hat on. Uh, a little risque for the podcast, maybe. Sure. But uh, so we're gonna go with "When the Night Comes." It was recorded at Atlantic Recording Studios in New York City uh, and the House of Music in West Orange, New Jersey. And something that we uh, learned from our new friend Phil Grande that we'll find out a little bit more about later is that it was the last album recorded at Atlantic Recording Studios in New York City. Um, So very cool. Uh, Writers on this song, you're not going to believe it. You wouldn't believe it if we told you, but we're going to tell you anyway. Um, The team of Brian Adams and Jim Valance, who were frequent co-collaborators uh, at the time and wrote sure, they did. pretty much most of Brian Adams' hits that Cuts you know. Like a Knife, Summer of 69, they did that. And we'll, we'll save the Brian Adams facts for the Brian Adams episode that Absolutely. we do, so we're not going to get too much on him. But. Yeah, uh, but just know that they were already a powerhouse writing team. Add into that mix uh, one of America's great songwriters, Diane Warren, a.k.a. Diane Eve Wolfberg, she is a beast of a hit maker. Um, and even back when we did, when we first talked about Carol King, I said if there's one other woman uh, as a songwriter who's had the impact that Carol King has had, it's going to be Diane Warren. Um, uh, and I don't, you, I, you could probably have a decent discussion about well, those two. She's had 32 top 10 songs. Yeah. 32 to make the. the she's. Some just some of her hits. Do you have a few written I down? Got I've got a bunch. few. Okay. Go, we'll alternate. Okay. Uh, because you love me by Celine Dion. Blame it on the rain. Millie Vanilli. Come on now. My one of my personal favorites. Don't take away my heaven by uh, um, you know. Who? Come on. It's the guy. I can't even say his name because it makes my wife cringe. She hates him so much. It's a come on. Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville. Oh my gosh. Yes. The mole guy. Oh he no. Oh, there he is. That's See? pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good, Aaron. Don't Neville. take away my heaven. That's Diane Warren. Keep going. <laughs> Who how, else? Uh, how do I live, Leanne Rhymes? Come on. Don't turn around by Ace of Base. Oh man, getting um, diverse. I don't want to miss a thing, Aerosmith. I mean, honestly. Come on. Anyway. Maybe the biggest hit of Aerosmith's career, Diane Warren wrote. 
How Can We Be Lovers by Michael Bolton. If I could turn back time. Come on now. This is a, a an old softy favorite for me. Uh, I'll Never Get Over You Getting Over Me oh, by yeah. Expose. Expose. Anybody remember I'll, that one? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the night comes down in June. Yeah. It sure does. Okay, let's go Christian. I'll Be Here For You, Michael W. Smith. Whoa! Oh. Wow. How about Look Away by Chicago? I had that Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now, Starship. She was in yes. on that. Yes. I mean, come on. We could go on and on. Like, okay, literally. I, I've saved a couple. The one that nobody will know that I love is a song called Rosie by Richie Sambora. If you have a chance to pick up Stranger in This Town album, oh, it's so good. It's a nasty solo, and it's good. Rosie, wow. Richie Sambora. She wrote that one. Rosie. Uh, Time, Love, and Tenderness is another like good solid. That actually That's has the good. same kind of feel yeah, as the song. Really, I hadn't thought about it. but When I See You Smile, Bad English is kind of similar. Yeah, uh-huh. so a little more power ballad yeah, maybe. But Time, Love, and Tenderness almost yeah. got that same kind of soulful yeah. vibe as, as When the Night Comes. Uh, but let's talk about how much Joe Cocker is preferable to Michael Bolton. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, the guy can sing, but give me Cocker every single day. Absolutely. absolutely. Give me the Cocker. And she's actually, she wrote the new Andre Day and Common song, Stand Up For Something, which is came out in 2018. Yeah. So to go from that, I mean, all over the place. So every genre. Yeah, she does it all. She's, she's uh, not she's pigeonholed awesome. at all by, by, you know, by a certain style of writing. Grammy, Emmy, Golden Globe, Diane Warren. Well Boom. done. Boom, boom. Side note about her that I thought was really interesting. Uh, she doesn't usually allow anyone into her Hollywood Hills office, uh, which she describes as a, quote, cluttered, airless room. Uh, she said nothing has been moved or cleaned for 17 years because she's superstitious. Oh, wow. And uh, she prefers to think of that room as her, like, secret world. So Holy she just cow. goes in there and everything is, it, it is, I don't know if it's that everything is just how she wants it or that everything is just, just a, a total mess. mess and that feels like home to her. That feels like inspiration for her. I wonder if that's the real reason why she's never been married. <laughs> she, <laughs> said, she said the reason she's never been married, she's not good at commitments. And that's one thing that makes her writing so rare is yeah. that she writes, I mean, she writes love songs and she's never even been married because mm-hmm. she's not good at commitments but I think you've nailed the head there it's uh, it's because she has a really she's just messy I mean it really does in several things I read from her and about her it sounds like she is just hyper focused on, on songwriting like yeah. that is her love yeah. she's married to being a songwriter and just that is her commitment. Like she's, she says, I'm bad at commitments, but really she is just hyper committed. She's just really good at committing craft. to songwriting. Yeah, she's just like freaking amazing at writing baller songs. Um, she, uh, it said she records uh, melodies with a tape recorder on, and then she just plays them again and again and again and chooses the songs that she likes the most. Just all day, just sitting in there making hits. That's boom, awesome. And then brings them out. Puts him in Joe Cocker's lap, and he goes top 40. <laughs> so, powerhouse of writers, powerhouse of band yeah. on here, too. Let's meet. You want to meet him? Sure. Let's, let's, let's meet, meet the, the band, band, and then we're going to literally and meet. And then we're going to meet the band. Yeah. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band of... Uh, Joe Cocker Band on When the Night Comes on different guitar players that played on here. Brian Adams, which uh, we'll t- we touched on a little bit earlier. Um, Jeff Pivar played a little bit on here as well, too, on this album. Uh, the guy that uh, another guy named um, Aldo Nova played on here. Um, but the guy we're going to focus on that you guys are going to have a special treat is with uh, is with Phil Phil Grande here in a minute, guys. We, uh, we actually got to sit down and talk to him for a little bit. Um, on bass, T.M. Stevens uh, played on Living in America with J. 
James Brown, um, the Sex and Religion, the, yeah, funky. Sex and Religion album by Steve Vai, on one of Rob's favorites, River of Dreams by Billy Joel. Heck yeah. Didn't play on the title track of this song, of this album rather, but played on one, two, four, nine, and ten. Um, Warwick Bases, he's got a signature Zulu Warrior, and he's got his own court signature series called the Funk Machine, <laughs> which is a perfect name for a bass player's I'm signature series. True, man. A court yeah. funk machine. I'm a court funk so machine. don't hear a lot of court talk. I but grew if, an afro when you said that. That's right. <laughs> it happened. Um, on piano, organ, and synth. Um, Phil will talk a little bit about um, the keyboard players on here, but uh, Chris Staten's the one I'm going to focus on because he played with Clapton, David Gilmore, BB King, Ringo Starr, and Pete Townsend. Uh, on percussion, a guy named Bashiri Johnson played with Herbie Hancock, Michael Jackson, Barbara Streisand, and George Benson. On drums, David Beale. Now in a group called the Hoot Nanny Band. I think that's a pretty cool name for a band. Is it? I'm I not sure know. I'm with you. I I, I'm with you, David. We'll reach out to you. Um, on backing vocals, I hope I don't match these names up. Tawatha Ag. Um, the thing that's cool about her, she's in the Dave Matthews Band Lovely Ladies Trio. Now oh. she's one of them. Would that be Tabitha, first name? It's T A W. A T H A. Okay. Tawatha. Tawatha. Okay. Yeah. Unless I hit, the, unless Tawatha? I misspelled it when I was doing my typing on a Microsoft Word. All right. Well. Um. She also sang with Luther Vandross and Teddy Pendergrass. Um. Venice Thomas also sang with Sting, Clapton, and Michael Jackson. Um. Curtis King. I'm thinking that's Curtis King Jr. who sang with Springsteen, Billy Joel, and David Bowie. That's my guess. But uh. And then uh, I'm gonna go back. We gotta lead into the guitar player. Yeah. So you guys Absolutely. are gonna get to talk a little bit or hear us talk a little bit with Phil Grande. Yeah. So this guy is up there on mine and Rob's uh, fan list. We're a huge fan of this guy. Absolutely. Uh. Very cool to get an opportunity to speak with Phil. He was generous with his time. Gave us. Uh, gave us a good solid 15, 20 minutes with him just to focus on his guitar work on this particular song. So guitar players, listen up. He's got some good stuff for you on this. Uh, and just to, if you're a if you're a fan of this song or just music in general, you're going to really enjoy this. So let's take a few minutes and uh, hear our conversation here with Phil Grande. Podcast. All right, everybody. We are here with legendary New York session and live guitarist Phil Grande. Phil, how are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? Outstanding! Thanks so much for joining the podcast. It means a lot to us. Uh, we have we have lived with this particular record for years and years and years as a favorite, um, and uh, particularly the guitar work on it is just something that we have always uh, loved. So we're so excited to get your uh, perspective and takes and and things that you you know can can fill us in on about this song. Um, why don't you first of all just kind of set us up? Tell us a little bit about yourself and and your career in general, and then we'll get more specific into the song. Okay, well, I'm I'm Brooklyn born, uh, was raised on uh, Long Island, East Meadow, and uh, like any other kid, I got uh, taken over by the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. <laughs> you ask any musician, they'll tell you the same thing. That's when their life changed. Yeah, and, uh, and I followed it all the way through. Um, uh, of course, like anybody, I had bands all through uh, high school, which I finally quit at 17 years old because I was always in the music room. They couldn't find me. And <laughs> finally, they said, he's always down there. And I had one teacher. Her name was Mrs. First, and she came up to me and said, you're probably the only kid around this old school that knows what he wants to do. Why don't you do it? You know, and, uh, yeah. you get, and get your GED and get on with your life. I took her advice, did so. I was 17. By the time I was 21, I was signing Columbia Records with uh, actually uh, decent uh, records through Columbia. It was a subsidiary with Elizabeth Joel, Billy Joel's first wife. Really? 
Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that. So she had a, a, a her own subsidiary from Columbia, and it was the Charlie Midnight Band. Now, what's interesting is that uh, that record didn't go anyplace. But years later, Charlie and I wound up doing Joe, uh, uh, Charlie being the producer. And that was for the Unchain My Heart album, which came out previously to uh, One Night of Sin. Yeah. And and uh, and things clicked from there. Um yeah, yeah, Charlie and Dan Hartman became a production team, and they were doing Joe, and I got called into that. And I'll never forget that. It was a real blessing, because I loved Joe my whole life. I was dying to play with him. And I got that opportunity. That's outstanding. I'm, That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So what, um, how, how, long, how long did you play with Joe? I started in 1986 doing a Harry and the Hendersons theme song for that movie about Bigfoot. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, I'm not kidding. You know, and uh, it was the song that they rolled through the credits at the end. Joe was the king okay. of credits. He was in more credits than <laughs> in every movie that I, I know of anybody. He was the credit king. So, uh, awesome. yeah, so I played all through the movie with, you know, some 12 strings, some embellishments with the orchestra, uh, because Dan Hartman produced that as well. And uh, things just kept on going. He was, they were doing Unchain My Heart, and they asked me to join. And I said, definitely, I'm in. And so it was Charlie Midnight, Dan Hartman production. Now, those guys went on to do the next album, One Night of Sin. And, of course, yours truly was asked along. The first song that came up for that record was When the Night Comes. Yeah. Now, that, that was written by uh, uh, Brian Adams. And Diane Warren. Diane Warren wrote Joe's only number one hit. Uh, that was from Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. So, uh, that album was produced by the same group of people and the same band being Jeff Levine on keyboards, Chris Staten from the original Grease band going all the way back to Joe's beginning. Huh. Uh, Chris Staten played keyboards too. He, he played with Clapton when he wasn't working with us. T.M. Stevens, one of the greatest bass players that ever walked the planet, was on bass. And David Beale from Peter, Peter Gabriel's band was on drums. That was the original lineup. Quite a crew. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> All New Yorkers, uh, and we did the album at, uh, um, at Atlantic Studios. Now, Atlantic Studios, Ahmed Erdogan, were closing down. So we happened to be the last band that recorded a record in the famed Atlantic Studios. And you're talking Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles. All these people. I even met Ahmed Erdogan. <laughs> wow. And it was sad because this place of history was going down. And I felt so privileged to be, you know, one of the last, the last group to record there. Yeah, no kidding. That's quite a, that's quite a claim to fame in an, in an acclaimed career. That's, that's something really interesting to hold on to. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, this is JP. I, I know you mentioned T.M. Stevens on bass. I'm a, I'm a fan of T.M. Stevens. I love Living in America that he did with James Brown and the whole Sex and Religion album by Steve Vai. I know he plays on that. And he actually oh, plays yeah. on he plays on one of Rob's favorite albums ever, uh, the River of Dreams album by Billy Joel. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fan of him, and I'm a gear guy. So he, I know he's got his own signature Warwick uh, basses and everything. I wanted gotcha. to, before we get too much into gear, I got to know a little bit about your gear 
on this song on the when the night comes i did you play a is it a baron a barrington is that what you're playing on it or a, yeah <laughs> it was a brand new company and they were they were formerly owned by kramer the two brothers the kramer brothers went on to create barrington guitars and uh since they were from new york and i was friends with theirs i got i got some prototypes and yeah. uh, you know so uh, you know to be a gentleman yeah sure i'll use it on the record and so that was a Barrington. It was a white Strat-like Barrington. Yeah, that was, uh, I was, it sounds Strat-like, and I'm like, I have no idea what guitar that is. So it took me all kinds of, like, legwork to try to track down, and I found this paper clipping of you holding a Barrington. Is it a BRG-874? Is that what it is? Uh, it might be. Jeez, I don't know, because it was stolen uh, on my way oh to my Los gosh. Angeles. It never made Los Angeles. It could have wound up in Hawaii or Russia. I have no idea oh, what happened my to that goodness. guitar. Uh, the airline, the airline made good for it. They gave me twelve hundred dollars. It's not the same. I I want that guitar. This sure. was made to my made to my specifications. And wow. uh, no, I never I never saw that thing again. Wow. <laughs> so somebody out there's got that guitar, man. Oh, man, we promise we don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening you out there, back? if you're listening out there and you stole Phil's guitar, shame on you and give it back <laughs> for crying out loud. <laughs> Jeez, so, guys, you're making me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you happen to remember what you played through? Do you happen to remember your your amp of choice? Yeah, or? I was always a, a combination guy. I would go through Marshalls and Fenders, any combination of Marshall Fender, together or alone. Okay. Uh, I, I had just a, a row of, of a rack of, of amps in there, and each song I tried to color a little differently. You know, you, you use your guitars and your amps as a palette. You know, sure. and uh, yeah. and just take it from there. So that that required something tough. Now the clean rhythm that you hear behind there, that's Brian Adams. Okay, okay? It, it's like a jangly thing you're hearing on yep. the other verses. Yeah, that's yep. Brian. And uh, it's strange because the song was written in C major, and Joe could not get into that range. So yeah, from that's C up there. major, C major with all those nice open chords. Had to go away. Guess what the next key was? To, to fit Joe's voice, A flat. Oh. Brian goes to Joe. Joe, there's no such thing as A flat. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's going to have to be because that's my key. So I don't use capos. Uh, I, you know, I was never into that stuff. But Brian got a great tuning somehow without using a capo, and the A flat worked out fine for him. And like any key, you could find good and bad about it you know so i happen to find the best places on the neck for that a flat and use those voicings yeah wow that's interesting mm -hmm. a flat mm -hmm. for anybody who's listening who's who's not a guitar player uh playing in keys like a flat or even f d flat e flat they all suck on guitar there's no <laughs> you know we want to be playing in c d e g a <laughs> uh you know so somebody says all right this one's an a flat we just kind of frown and move on that's um, right that's but you, right. You're right. You got to find your spot. Where's my good voicings here? Where's my guitar going to shine? You know, and, mm -hmm. and where am I going to where am I going to fit in my thing here? What's what, can you talk a little bit about kind of your approach as a session player? If somebody, you know, if somebody if Joe Cocker brings you a song and says, here's the song, we're going to cut this song. Um, when when you guys get together as a band to start rehearsing, what's your approach? What are you listening for? How do you find your space in a particular song? Okay, it's a good question, because before it even gets to us, it's heard by Joe. Uh, first of all, we get like about 500 different songs thrown at us, maybe more. Sure. 
we have to whittle that down to 15 or 20 songs. So that part of the pre-production is not up to us. It takes a while. Finally, when they get those 15 songs, the band is brought in and we listen to the demos and, and we try to make our own thing out of it. Joe's not there yet. So we got a pretty good handle on it. As soon as Mr. Cocker walked in, somehow and magically, this song took on a whole nother entity. Just by his voice and his presence and his way of doing things a little differently, what we did was thrown out the window now that Mr. Cocker's here, and all of a sudden it's brought into this, this gospely, bluesy, R&B, rock thing. I mean, yeah. you're covering the gamut. And, you know, he has such guts to his voice, you immediately feel emotion that you didn't hear before. Yeah, now absolutely. We're on the, now we're on the path. Now we see. Unfortunately, it's an A-flat! <laughs> <laughs> Joe, there's no such thing as A-flat! He says, right, right, mate. I think there is. You should look a little closer. There's one on the piano. Uh, yeah, wise guy. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, so... But with good singers, you're always going to have to go into your flats and your sharps because it's up to them. It's, it's you know, the best part of their range should be right. exploited. So that's how that works, yeah. Wow. So we suck it up and we move into A-flat and, yep. uh, and we kind of go on from there to make the song uh, everything it can be. We got to serve the vocal, right? Mm-hmm. We got to serve the guy signing the checks uh, and make him make him shine. So, um, that's, wow, that's that's number one, kids. That's one hundred one rock and roll one hundred one. The singer. That's, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, can you can you recall kind of the vibe of the song before Mr. Cocker walked in the room? Can you recall a little bit about what well, the, what it sounded like? We figured we had about two or three hours before Joe came. This in New York. He's in his hotel. We're in Atlantic Studios, getting all set. Uh, yeah, we, which one you guys want to try first? Let's do this. Let's run it down. We listen to the uh, to the demo tape quite a few times, and we just run with it. It never took us long. I mean, you know, we're we're pros. We pick it right off the record. But once again, what we did went nil as soon as Joe walked in. He heard something different. Follow the leader. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Um... I want to ask about, it's got this monster opening riff. Like there's the great keys thing that comes in and kind of sets the atmosphere. And then the drums and the rest of the band really kick in with that monster. Just a killer mm-hmm. riff. Uh, is that, is that something you came up with? Is that, did that happen yeah. in pre-production or? No, no, that's, that's mine. It was done on an overdub. What, uh, after you lay down the basic track, you feel around for, for the, for the pulse uh, the dynamic, what is this need? What, after that intro, which we decided, let's do a build-up intro. And so that's when you hear the piano taking off, doing that riff. Then the bass and drums start doing a low into a crescendo. As soon as it hits that big one, the first thing that hit me was that line. Yeah, right? the octave really sells it. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah, so yeah, I did it, doctors. I did it higher, and I said, let me put a lower octave on that too, and that really worked. Uh, I always think in themes, you know. Okay. I, I never set myself out to be the fastest guitar player or any of that. What mattered most to me was how does my playing fit into this song, and I always think of melodies because you can't go wrong with them. Look at right. Jeff Beck. Yeah, to me, he's one of my idols. There's nobody who can play a melody on the guitar and make it sing like like Jeff Beck. So I always kind of modeled myself. And Harrison was also, he could sing his solos, you know? Right, exactly, I, yeah. I always tried to make my solos as much part of the song that you remember 
uh, as the song itself. And I hope I succeeded in that. Oh Absolutely. yeah, we're we're definitely going to touch on the solo here in a minute. But you mentioned Jeff Beck and uh, and watching you play. You know, you well, I've seen you live on just videos and stuff that I've seen around, and you wear the the Stevie Ray Vaughan hat. Is that yeah. uh, are, is he one of your? Is he an inspiration? Name some other inspirations that you have that yeah. you. Well, 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 I was wearing the hat longer than Stevie. I'm more okay. Than so Steve, Steve, Stevie got it from you, right? You heard it here oh, first, I'm not going to say that. No, no, man. <laughs> you know, you know, rock and roll to me. I always, you know, I had long hair on the sides and bottom eventually, but uh, there wasn't enough growing on the top. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know I, I don't go to the hair club for men, so I, I figured let me get a few, a couple of nice lids, you know. So sometimes it was the cowboy hat, sometimes a beret, and. uh and a top hat I wore for a while, matching, um, uh, what's his name, in the Mad Dogs and Englishman, Leon Russell. So Joe loved that, you know, that I wore the top hat for the first tour. Oh, wow. You know, That's yeah. nice. Classy. Classy. Uh, <laughs> it, it got sat on, and it was crushed, so that was the end of that. Oh, bummer. Man, you have the worst luck. Somebody stole your <laughs> guitar prototype, sat on your hat. Man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But, Somebody uh, take care of Phil, you know? Well, they usually come in road cases. Stevie, Stevie Ray had a road case for every he had. I'm saying, man, I, I can't afford that, man. It's just, it's, he's, he right. took care of his lids. His lids and his boots. That's what Stevie loved most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a good Stratocaster. That's what, yeah, that was absolutely. So let's let's talk a bit. You, 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 um, you talked about the solo. You mentioned the solo. Uh, but really, I want to I make sure our listeners understand, like, if you want a template for how to create a memorable solo, this, mm-hmm. this one is right up there. Like it's like you said, it's a memory unto itself. It's a, it's an in, uh, it's a part of the song that you can't do without, you know what I mean? There's, uh, you just wait for that solo to come and the, the, the phrasing of it, everything is just so, um, it's just so perfect. It fits so well together. I'd love to get, a little input from you as, as far as how do you go about putting a solo like that together? Is it something that you play and you put different sections together or is it just sort of inspiration for you that kind of comes out all at once? All good questions. Um, but that particular solo and uh, well, first of all, I listened to the uh, amount of bars I have and okay, that was a natural amount of bars, 16 or something, whatever it was. I just I close my eyes and I, I just, you know, say, play that part again, play that part again. Then I'll pick up the guitar and it's inspirational at that point. It, it's, okay. it's something, it rolls up and burns up and all of a sudden it's on, it's on fire in your heart. And you take that first take, boom, I got 75% through that, that, uh, the solo on the first take. Yeah, we, I was more uh, concerned with the ending. So, of course, I got through three quarters of it. I said, how am I going to wrap this up? And the rest is there. So I did it again completely in two takes. There were no, uh, no punch-ins. Outstanding. Oh, that's so good. And just, and it, just so this just is for very you. important. You have to always, as a, as a soloist, you have to trust your instincts. Listen yeah. to those first. They'll usually lead you in the right direction. Always yeah, we, go by your instincts. Yeah, we've talked a lot. We had a Martin Page on a few weeks ago, and we talked a lot about recording even your like demo, like your warm up tracks, and just record it, let it go. Because sometimes your first takes are the best. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, right. And we love that to hear that you're a you didn't methodically map out this solo. That this is a solo from the heart, and a, this is an eyes closed solo. This isn't a I charted it out, and you know I knew I was going to play this. 
that's what we were hoping to hear <laughs> yeah. is that it came from from guts, not from a, not from a, a mapped out. I'm gonna play this note perfectly here. That it's it's so much inspir like it's so much just passion. We love that. So, and and another another thing is sometimes I'll I'll read the lyric. I want to know what the song is about. You know, because what I'm playing should be lyrical. That you got to feel the heartache of the lyrics. Right. You know, there's no sense in me putting a happy go lucky solo to something that hurts yeah. so damn bad. Right. You know? yeah, that's you, good. You, you got to reach into the heart of the song and pull it out, pull the heart out, and put it right on the guitar. Chuck it back in, make it explosive. Exactly. And and man, you did. I mean, everything that you set out to do with this solo, I feel like you succeeded pretty well. Uh, it's it's one of our I think it's probably in both of our like top ten guitar solos of all time. Uh, oh you know, god, the, that that that's so nice. You really mean that? Hey, we no seriously, we mean it. We're not just saying it to blow smoke. We uh, I mean that's that's really like I said before. This is a it's 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 literally it's a perfect solo. It it serves the song perfectly. It shows off you know what you have as a lead guitarist. It's got little flashes of everything. It's so emotional. You know what I mean? You're coming kind of. Mm-hmm in and out of major minor blue scale all throughout the thing. And, uh, and it just, it just fits perfectly. Oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, And to, to tell you, we're dropping this on, this will be our one year anniversary episode. So this is a big one for us. And me and Rob were talking, we're like, we want to do one that's for us. And this was our song. And we both, I wrote that solo in bold, like on a paper. And I wrote, that's our song because of that solo. And oh, you have man. been so gracious to join us for this. So this has been a blast. Um, and we want to make sure that we give you time too to talk about anything that you want to want upcoming projects, things like that. Anything you have that, that you would like to, to throw out there to the world so they can be looking for the next thing from Phil. Yeah, quite a bit of things, mostly in the studio. I have a writing team that uh, we're, we're putting out songs every week for various artists, hoping to land, uh, you know, a deal with somebody for one of our songs. So we get together every week, collecting songs from each member of this. Uh, it's like a wrecking crew. Uh, only we're the ones that are writing. <laughs> and we're in that market because, you know, when you hit 60, you know, things slow down on the road. And <laughs> when you, you know, you want to put as much time as possible into creativity. It's just a matter of luck right now. I'm in the, I'm in the machine uh, of, of the music business, and to, to get songs placed, it's really tough. It's a tough job. It's a big undertaking because of all the crap going on. Uh, uh, and, and the acts out there, some of them you just can't write for. I mean, I'm not going to write for Ariola. I call her Ariola Grandy. And she's not related <laughs> to me. She's no not relation. related to me at all. It's not my daughter. It's not my wife. Although I wouldn't mind her being my wife. Uh, no, it, writing songs has its own its its own glory to it, especially when it's placed. After it's like babies, like my kids. Like right. after it's recorded, you hear it come back and say, "Oh, look at the little bit." No, it's you know it is a great satisfaction to a song yeah. being completed and hearing it back and knowing that you got every idea that was that was right in there didn't miss a thing and it's hitting you has a great emotional value it should be a song that's stripped down to just the melody and the playing chords if it's good then it can be good produced it's all in the hook absolutely absolutely yeah. and so that's what you're into these days you're you're trying to get you're you're, you're obviously you're still recording doing a lot of recording you said you were in the studio all night last night doing a lot that's of right. uh, recording and then trying to get songs 
to people, right? Trying to get great songs yeah. to great people who can deliver them. That's right. That's right. Outstanding. Well, best of luck in all that. Um, oh, are there, you. are there any other, are there any other stories from the recording of the one night of sin album in particular that stand out to you that might be interesting to the listeners? Well, I really can't tell you about all the orgies and the sex that took place on the Hammond organ or, uh, <laughs> all the, no, I'm only kidding. Uh, no, I'll tell you what, it, it, the, the, the only thing eventful about these recordings is that it was done at Atlantic studio, the last record ever done there. And the fact that we were in the same studio as all those greats, it's just that yeah. it was like being in a church. Yeah. It was like, you know, you, you could Ray Charles out on this bench. No, no, Otis Redding used this microphone. Aretha Franklin, that's where her vocal booth was. You know, we're all, we're all groupies. I mean, us musicians, we're fans. We're yeah. fans as well as performers, you know. We have somebody we grew up on, and, and when you even touch them a little bit in your life, you feel like, wow, man, I was in the right place, right time. Things are great. I've been in touch with Jeff Levine. Um, we're actually doing... Uh, February 22nd in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'll be there. And uh, we'll have Bruce Willis as guest. Bruno. Is Bruce Willis, there. yeah. Yeah, Bruno's going to be there and, and sing and play a little harmonica. And uh, he's a nut, so that should be fun. But, yeah, it'll be a Night of Conquer tribute with the original band. Outstanding. Give us that one more time because we were having a little bit of signal issues with you. So tell, give us the details on that event one more time. It'll be February 22nd in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, it'll be mostly original members from the Unchained My Heart album, the old Joe's guys. And Bruce Willis will be coming in, joining us as a guest on stage. If it was his Bruno shtick. But, uh, Outstanding. He, he plays a pretty good harmonica, you know, so he that does. ought to be fun. Yeah. You know? So cool. he's, he'll be there. And we got this guy, D.A. Foster, who's got a number four on the blues charts right now. He'll be doing Joe. See, okay. So we we just want to remind people, you know, and we're all kind of annoyed that Joe has not made it to the Hall of Fame yet. Matter of fact, we're really pissed off he hasn't made it in the Hall of Fame. Why they're taking so long, I don't know. You know, they, they'll take Joan Jett before they, they take Joe. I mean, <laughs> who, who laid down more, more ground? I mean, the, the key word is yet. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 it's coming. It's an eventuality. There's no, there's no yeah. doubt Joe's going to be in there. I really hope so, guys. I hope you're right, because he deserves it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're with you. We'll start the campaign. We'll lead the charge. Oh, please do. <laughs> I like you guys. We'll be the guy. We'll, we'll do it. Right. We'll do it. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it so much. Such a great insight on this song and, and the intro, uh, the, the insight into to playing and studio work. Uh, it's been a great, great treat for us, certainly, and hopefully a great treat for the listeners as well. Um, are you on social media? I know you're on Facebook. Are you on Twitter as well? Uh, I, I, I have an account, but I never go there. I, I'm okay. sorry. I'm just, I'm not savvy, and I really don't have time to be messing around with all that crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel I'm, you. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Look, I'm going to spend time. I'm, I'm going to be writing right here instead of getting on the, the internet or anything. Outstanding. Thanks again, Phil. Have a great day, and, and God bless everything you got to do, man. All right, thanks for bringing me down memory lane. I really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Absolutely. See you, Phil. All the best. Okay, bye-bye back there. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>
podcast. Guys, now how was that? If you said, JP, you can interview one grande, it's not going to be Ariana or whatever he called her, but we're going to go with Phil. Phil, that was awesome. So It was. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Had fun, had fun talking with him there. And you know what, guys? I, we've talked about this before, but let this, I, I just want this to, to be an encouragement to somebody who is listening, who is uh, doing maybe you're doing your own podcast. I know we have other you know podcasters who listen to the show. Um, the the way that we're reaching our these interviews of people who are on our dream list of people to talk to is literally just reaching out on social media. It's as simple as that. Like there have been a couple that we have you know tried to try to get to, and because they're you know record labels or something kind of whatever, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't let them reach out. They, they, you know, kind of block that kind of stuff. But a lot of people, they're just out there on social media or they have somebody who runs a page. And so you can go to them and see, Hey, can I get so-and-so for an interview? And they reach out and say, absolutely love to, you know, when can we, when can we do it? And they'll make time for you and sit down with you. Um, and so that's very cool. Big, big props to Phil for, uh, for coming in and, and, you know, just fulfilling a lifelong conversational dream of a couple of nerds over here talking about, uh, guitar solos and stuff. Thanks for being the icing on the cake of the one year. Really? Happy one year, everybody. Let me tell you, if 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 you're a guitar player, let this be a challenge for you. We might even do I might even do this myself. Let's do the Phil Grande challenge. Let's do the <laughs> the When the Night Comes challenge. Post a video of yourself playing to the best of your ability the guitar solo oh, from when the night comes you know what i'm saying i'd love to hear some people with their take on it make it yours shine it up do it how you do it but 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 do your best phil grande <laughs> and send us a video at great song pod on twitter uh be part of our facebook community at great songs and the great people who love them greatly um <laughs> and send us the video man we'd love to see it i may get the ball rolling this week if i get a chance uh i'll sit down with the with the uh robert Cray signature strat that i just picked oh, up Yes! Over the weekend, I know he one. And, That's awesome. uh, I'll uh, I'll give it a go and see see how close I can get to Phil's magical performance. Um, as always, thanks so much for listening. You guys have been listening for a year. A year, we made it. It all started with Mark Cone. Started from the Cone. Now we here. Now we're here in a grande place. <laughs> in a grande place. Love love lift us up where we belong. You know what I'm oh saying? My goodness, this is uh, where the eagles fly. The Eagles, not the Eagles, not the band. The Eagles, because no, that would be where Eagles fly. Where Eagles fly. Sammy Hagar. Now you want to oh, talk man. where Eagles fly? That's okay. Sammy Hagar. Where the Eagles fly? That's Joe Cocker. Um, <laughs> so, in all sincerity, thanks so much for sticking with us on the podcast. It's been an amazing year. We've had so much fun being with each other and being with you guys over these amazing internets. Um, and so, we're not going anywhere, so you guys might as well hang out with heck us. Heck no. We still got we got a couple great episodes coming at you to finish up season two. We'll take a very, very minor break and we'll be back at you for season three. Uh, we can't wait. We'll 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 be here celebrating year number two before you even know it. So as always, thanks for listening wherever you are, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, whatever you're listening on. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you like the show, tell somebody else about it. Share it on social media. Follow us on Great Song Pod at Twitter. Nope. Follow us at Great Song Pod on, on Twitter. Twitter. Uh, join the Facebook community at uh, Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. Uh, if that's you, we have a lot of fun on there. So come see us sometime. Give a shout out. Give a review on iTunes, all that good stuff. If you see something, say something. If I can steal a phrase from Brian Campbell and a great many other people. Uh, 
that's gonna do it, man. We got birthday festivities to get to. We can't just be all day here with you people. No way. I mean, let's go celebrate. Like we love you, but we got <laughs> cake and stuff to get to. So, <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the solo. We gotta send him out with the solo. Here's, Absolutely. Here's your boy Phil. Take it on home, Phil. Here's Phil Grande with the amazing face melting guitar solo from When the Night Comes. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rob. And I am JP. Go listen to this amazing solo. Hey! We're gonna make it.